Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to um, sort of the opening, I think, really, again, of coming back to, to Westview, so it's exciting to see people here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Basil Favis. I'm an elder here at Westview and uh, also a member of, of the preaching team. Before uh, we start, let's just go to prayer. Um, Lord, I just want to um, add my voice to, to that of what Cheryl prayed this morning. Lord, uh, we can't go anywhere or do anything without thinking of the hurt and, and, and what is happening in the Ukraine this week. Lord, we just lift this up to you. We pray for the hundreds of thousands leaving that will soon climb to millions, Lord. We pray for these refugees. We pray for families that have been broken, Lord. We pray, O oh God, for peace, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for the church, that they may rise, O oh God, to speak your word and to, to advocate, Lord, for, for, for your truth. Lord, we hold, um, we hold this all before you this morning, our hearts Go out to those in pain and misery. And Lord, we, we ask, oh God, that your hand of protection. And Lord, may you make us, help us, oh Lord, to be advocates of peace, oh God, as Christians, Lord. We hold this all before you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, everyone, um, I had a topic on my heart. Um, and the title of the talk, if you haven't seen the newsletter, is called Vulnerability, Disconnection, and Hope. Um, what I wanted to be able to do this morning and what was really on my heart is, after talking to people and just really seeking the Lord on this, it just, I wanted to look this morning at the pandemic and what we've been through. Um, this will not be disconnected from what's happening in Ukraine either. But I wanted to look at this experience of the pandemic and what we've been through as we're coming up to two years almost now of this pandemic worldwide with close to six million people that will soon have died uh, um, during this pandemic. I wanted to, us to look at it together as a church as a type of spiritual wilderness and to unpack it from that point of view. Um, the thing that's amazing about the pandemic is that, you know, we go through wilderness experiences in our lives, and all of you, most of us, have been through a wilderness experience of one form or another. This is different also. Not only is this a wilderness experience because we've, ex we've seen hurt, we've seen loved ones die, we've seen people who are sick, who have been sick under really difficult conditions. Um, we see, uh, you know, workplaces that have become very difficult. Uh, we're separated from one another. But what's interesting about this pandemic as a wilderness experience is that we're all going through it at the same time. And it is a collective wilderness. There's something really unusual about that. And I really believe that there's a place that the Lord has for us to move together as a church through this, through this collective experience, a collective experience. Um, I was listening um, a few weeks ago to an interview with the theologian Alistair McGrath, well-known, very well-known, one of the most prominent Christian theologians. And he was being asked um, what, did he feel were the main impacts of the pandemic 
on, on, um, on, on the world and what he's been seeing. And he came up with two words, two words that I had actually come up with the same two words in my own mind. They really resonated with me. And he said the two words were vulnerability and disconnection. Vulnerability and disconnection. The thing that's amazing about this, if you think about vulnerability, and, and I wanted to give you a definition just a dictionary definition of vulnerability. It is the state of being exposed to the possibility of being harmed either physically or emotionally. And I would say that vulnerability for the Christian is also spiritual as well. Disconnection, the definition, is the state of being isolated or detached. The thing that's amazing to me, and I don't know what the experience has been for you, but at work and in my work, I, I work with wonderful people at the university. I, I'm, I'm a professor at the, uh, at the Polytechnique. I work with wonderful people who are there. But, you know, we go in and we do our work. <laughs> and when we interact with each other, it's almost always just talking about work. And over the last two years... I've never seen this before. It's now 31 years that I've been at the university. You can actually talk about being vulnerable, and it comes up. You can talk about how you're missing people and being with others and being disconnected. There's this vulnerability and disconnection. It's penetrated, and it's, it becomes, actually, has been part of the conversation. So where do we go with this? What I want to be able to arrive, and I'm going to tell you where I want us to land already right at the beginning, is that I believe that being able to speak to vulnerability and disconnection in our world are the key marks of the Christian. And being able to speak to vulnerability and disconnection in our world are going to be the key marks of an authentic church. And I believe that these experiences, which are experiences which we can view that are doing harm, the Lord is going to use to open a new, new way as we understand what it means to see with the eyes of God the vulnerability and disconnection in our own lives and in the world around us. And ultimately what it will be, it will finally and ultimately be a way that God will actually use to bring hope back to this world. What I wanted to look at with you this morning, um, and I'm going to look at the wilderness experience, is I want to focus on the wilderness experience of Jesus in the desert, the temptations of Jesus in the desert. And I want to go through that with you. And I want to look at it from the point of view, again, of vulnerability and disconnection. So we're going to look at Jesus. And many of you know this story. Jesus goes into the desert, and he is tempted by Satan. What you might not realize, and sometimes what's really important to do, and we're going to look at this, is we're going to look at what comes before that and what comes after that. First of all, what comes before that? Immediately preceding Jesus going into a wilderness experience in the desert, this will be in Matthew chapter 4, in Matthew 3, we have the baptism of Jesus. And actually what you have is just before Jesus going into the desert, you have what is 
what is without question the most powerful demonstration of the Trinity of God. And we're going to read now Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. If you were to look at the entire New Testament, my friends, this is the most significant, this is the most evident manifestation of the Trinity in the New Testament. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. You have this amazing unity, this oneness, this Jesus now being baptized and dedicated to go and to begin into a ministry. And what follows immediately after that is the temptation in the desert. So there's no coincidence here. The enemy has seen the mission of God. It has been so clearly seen, actually, the Trinity in all its fullness. So the Satan comes to meet Jesus now in the wilderness. So let's go on to Matthew chapter 4, where we're actually going to look now clearly at the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 10, and I'm going to read it right through, and then we'll go through and break it up and, and try and understand it a little bit better. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. You have to understand at this point, I'm going to make a pause here that this is the most clear manifestation of the unity of God that has come out of the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So I just want to pause there for a minute. We're going to see in the next line that the enemy enters in at this point of the story. What has happened? Jesus has fasted for 40 days. He is hungry. He is vulnerable. Human side of Jesus is vulnerable. He's disconnected. He's alone in the desert from friends, from others, from people that he would have known, that he would have been, that would have been there with him. He's alone, horizontally. When I talk about vulnerability and disconnection, I think we understand vulnerability, but disconnection, it's very important that for the Christian, disconnection is horizontal and disconnection is vertical. At this point, when Satan enters in to begin tempting Jesus, Jesus is vulnerable. He is horizontally disconnected from those who would have been around him. And what is the enemy doing? And I want you to remember this, and I'm going to mention this again. This is the key here. All the temptations that Satan is enticing Jesus with 
is to get Jesus to act independently of the Father. If you look into commentary, commentary will tell you this, biblical commentary. All of the temptations were to get Jesus to act independently of the Father. After this amazing expression of unity at the baptism of Christ. So we go on. Satan now comes under these conditions and comes to tempt Jesus. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. There's a temptation and there's a counter scripture. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. The second temptation. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him again with a counter scripture. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Third temptation, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we can see here that at the beginning that vulnerability and disconnection in this wilderness experience are the key features that Jesus, that Satan is trying to exploit with Jesus. And we see also that all the temptations here were organized by the enemy to induce Christ to act within himself independently of the Father. So what do these things mean to us? And if you go through each of the temptations, and if you think of the wilderness experience of the pandemic, each of these temptations are things that we have to be aware of that we could be susceptible to also as believers. So that first temptation, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This temptation is the temptation of small things. It is the temptation of things like, you know, I'm looking at this and when I'm first reading of this and I'm thinking, you know, I actually, you laugh about it. Like, I mean, at home they laugh at me. I like food. Okay, I admit it. Okay. I mean, after 40 days in the desert, why wouldn't I turn a stone into bread? What could possibly be wrong with that? What Satan was doing here was he was trying, he was getting his, his temptation was to have Jesus operate out of his own desires independently of the Father. So what this is, this temptation, is the temptation of small things. They don't seem to be anything really wrong in themselves, but it's drawing principally from our own desires. Small things adding up. And slowly and slowly and slowly becoming something big. So this is the temptation, what I call the temptation of the slow decline, of erosion, 
of like, like a bank on a, on, on a river, slowly eroding piece by piece. Um, I have a story of this in my own life, um, and it was a wilderness experience for me some years ago prior to going to the university. Um, it was a two-year experience. One of the first jobs I had after coming out of university, and it was an extremely, extremely stressful job experience. It, has been the, it was the most stressful experience at work that I had actually over my entire career, mostly related to a particular uh, person that I was uh, reporting to at the time. Um, um, that was really, I believe, just really quite not a well person, but uh, whatever it was, it was an extremely um, stressful experience. And the demands that was made by this particular individual, who was really to control and to squeeze the most that he could out of people. Um, and I had actually a group that was reporting to me also at the time. And I um, was between this person who was my boss and these people who were working for me. And I just felt this immense squeeze. And I was a believer. And I felt strongly about the idea of putting myself between him and these people as a protection with the strength of God. And, and, and I was coming to the Lord over this. And despite these things, all of these things, what I began to realize over two years is that there was so much information about exploiting people that was being put into my head that without realizing it, I began to see slowly and slowly, giving into this, giving a little bit into this, giving a little bit into that, there were small things. I mean, the people that worked for me would still have had this sense that I was caring for them and protecting for them, but I sensed that I was starting to become somebody that I didn't want to be. And it was the erosion of small things. Many, many, many little things. I truly believe that in the pandemic, we're very susceptible to this erosion of small things. Meeting a little something out of my desire, doing this a little bit, this is okay, but operating out of our own desires, little, little by little. There's a saying that says, when we give the enemy a foothold, it becomes a stronghold. So that's the temptation of slow decline and erosion. But what it is and what it becomes, and we can experience this like something in the wilderness experience, like the pandemic, it is a slow turning from the face of Jesus, and we slowly turn away. That is the first temptation. The second temptation, Satan says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. Henri Nguyen um, Carlos Castaneda, Castaneda in a recent Westview at the pub was mentioning um, the temptations of Jesus. I don't think he realized at the time that I was going to be preaching on this. And he talked about this, um, the, the temptations of Christ that are looked at by uh, Henri Nguyen. Henri Nguyen calls this a temptation of the spectacular. I think you could also look at this temptation, the temptation, throw yourself down. He will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. To me, also, this temptation 
is the temptation of us needing to present ourselves as being strong and for the world to see it. I, my friends, and I've mentioned this before, I could write a master class on this, okay? I know what this is like. This was the thing for me. These were things that this was something and a part of me that had to be really, really worked out. But it is the temptation of presenting ourselves to the world and to those around us as always being strong. If I come back to that story of the two years, um, it was two years of this, and, 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 and I could go into this in more detail, it's not necessary, but you understand that it was just two years of, of incredibly, incredibly high stress. I know what it's like to work in high stress situations, and this was just beyond, 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 beyond the pale. And at the end of the two years, and I was this young person who had come out of his studies and honestly doing my studies, yeah, there were some issues, there were times, there were things I had to overcome, but I had this feeling of being strong, you know. And I remember coming to the end of those two years, and at, at the very end, actually, people asking me to go for lunch, and it was, the, the pressure had been so intense, it was actually really hard for me to put five or six words together into conversation. For those of you who know me, I like talking. This was not, this was something. And so what I think in those, in those days, what that would have probably been considered is, is, is the early stage, if not burnout. And, and what I found out about that is it taught me something that is really, really, really important. Is that if my desire is to present myself as strong before the world. This is not strength at all. This is weakness. This is drawing from myself. And that at the end of the day, what I understood in that experience is anyone who's placed into the wrong circumstances okay, could experience burnout, could experience you know, mental difficulties just just in just you just a type of burnout a type of 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 just this this sense of just not being able to 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 take it really anymore and you know what was interesting is that the lord the, both of those experiences the experience of slow erosion and the experience of understanding that under the real under the right circumstances anyone could uh, could have a form of breakdown was actually incredibly valuable to me. It was something the Lord used and allowed me, and he's saying, but by my strength, I will come in and give you strength. It was something that helped me later not to be weaker, but actually to understand, even as I was managing other people and managing, in some cases, many, many people, I understood that there's a responsibility to treat people properly. Every one of us has limits in our humanity. But that God will break through that. And that in fact, true strength, true strength is to be and to understand our own human weakness and our own human frailty. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. These things don't make us weaker. God's intent is to make us stronger. But God's intent is also to show us the limits of our own human frailty. Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey, I don't know if any of you have had a chance. I've quoted this book, I think, the last time I was up here, Where the Light Fell. It's a story of his childhood. Many of you will know Philip Yancey to be an amazing Christian writer. What's so great about grace is one of the books he's written. He writes about his experience being raised, actually born and raised, in very, very legalistic, fundamental Christian background. And here he is going through a young, young person from the time he was born being exposed to all this, finally going to Bible school and recognizing that in all his experience in life up till then, he began to wonder. He said, to him, the Christianity was just some sort of form of rules and regulations. And he became like an advocate. He became almost like a, an apostate in Bible school. He was, he was, you know, he was like almost like the cynic of the Bible school. It's very interesting to hear him talk this, to see this, because God takes us through interesting paths in order to reveal himself to us. But he said to him, of all the people that he saw at his Bible school that had an influence on him, there were only two, and they were the only two that were able to mention difficulties and weaknesses that they had experienced in their life. Those two touched him, and he saw something there. And I'll explain in a minute or two. He actually is led later not to recommit, but actually he believes it was his conversion. So Christian leadership, what is Christian leadership? Leaders with a limp. is actually what Christian leadership is about. Leaders who have been able to come and to understand something about vulnerability and disconnection in their life, to be able to be transparent about that, to see it in their own lives, and to now, with the strength of the Lord, to see it in others and to lift others. Leaders with a limp. The third temptation... Satan shows them all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This last temptation is a direct battle for the very purpose that God has given us. It's in your face. He's, Satan is saying, bow down and worship me. The view of the kingdoms of world to give and to offer the kingdoms of the world to Jesus is direct. It was in Satan putting it right in his face. Not trying to be deceptive at all. And you can see there's like a degree in the way the temptations are advancing here. And the kingdoms of the world, interesting if you think about it, it would have been the message that Jesus would be hearing from others. They were looking for an earthly king. 
So this is the question of what would I sell my soul for? Control and power? We're seeing where control and power can go this week around the world. We're called to be advocating for the Lord. There are times when we're subjected to vulnerability and to disconnection that you, one of those temptations, there's the slow erosion, there's the erosion of presenting, your, there's the second temptation of needing to present ourselves strong, and there's the third one here. You may overtly, in your own mind, be making a choice. And some of you in this pandemic, this may be a situation that you've been faced with, overtly to make a choice to be diverted from the purposes of God. We're here to support and to talk and to come against this in the name of Jesus. All the temptations, all three, were organized to induce Christ to act within himself independently of the Father. And all the temptations that we would understand in the wilderness experience as we're going through periods of vulnerability and disconnection are to induce us to act within ourselves independently of the Father. I want to make a sidebar here about doubt because sometimes, and in something like the pandemic, you may be experiencing doubt. You may even be experiencing doubt about your faith. And I want to say that doubt is not a denying of the faith. And actually, doubt, if you bring this doubt to the Lord, if you talk about this to us, if we can become a church that is open to doubt, not a church that closes questions, but a church that opens questions, a church that allows you to come and say, but yeah, but what about this? What about that? Why are we practicing this? Why are we not doing that? That we be open to these things. Doubt is not a denying of the faith, but a way for the faith to run even deeper in our lives. I would say there is no true dynamic faith or outpouring of the Holy Spirit without having wrestled with doubt. In Jesus and the Sermon of the Mount, look at Jesus with the Sermon of the Mount and look what he does. The Sermon of the Mount is, Jesus is saying about the Pharisees, you say this, but. You say this, but. You say this, but. If doubt is something you've been struggling with, that's not a denial of the faith. There's no shame there. Bring, that, bring those questions together. Cause us to grow and help us to become something new, resolute, revived, and renewed. So when we face our own sense of vulnerability and disconnection, if we face it ourselves, we are actually becoming authentic people, authentic people in Christ. And as we are able to see the vulnerability and disconnection in others, because the Lord will speak to us first, and then we become like laser beams to see vulnerability and disconnection in others, we become an authentic Christian community. We become authentic Christian community. We become people who can empathize, people who care, people who will reach out, people who are sensitive to pain, people who are sensitive to, to people who are suffering. And we become people who are also able to be accountable. We're accountable. 
2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you look at Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus in the Gospels, it's everywhere, is a heart laser vision for the vulnerable and the disconnected. Look at Jesus in the Gospels. Yancey, and I believe it was his second or third year at Bible school, he talks about a moment. He was in prayer with a group of others at the school, and he was just praying the way he always prayed, which really wasn't from the heart, but he was praying as somebody who really knew how to do the right prayers, but without anything really being felt. And suddenly in his mind, he saw the story of the Good Samaritan. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, you'll remember there's a man who's beaten and robbed on the side of the road, a Jew. And the Samaritan, considered to be an enemy to some degree of the Jews, stops to take care of him, sees him disconnected, sees him vulnerable, and reaches out. Yancey suddenly, in his own mind, instead of seeing that person who was on the side of the road hurt and robbed, he saw himself. He saw himself. He saw him. He saw him. And he began to understand, and he saw the Samaritan as being Jesus. And he saw that all of through this, what Jesus was doing is Jesus through all his life trying to get through all the maze of misinformation and rules and regulations that we sometimes put in the way God's heart was reaching out to him as someone vulnerable and disconnected. And at that moment, he gives his life to Jesus Christ. And he considers that his conversion in his second and third year of Bible school. So we're called to put ourselves into the story, into the story of the Gospels. We're called to put ourselves um, first us. I'm vulnerable. I'm disconnected. And we can be transparent about these things. And then we are also being called to be the ones who bring about restoration. As we see it in us, we're able to respond in others in powerful, powerful, powerful ways. The Lord is not creating a weak people here. He is creating a strength, a strong and courageous people. in the strength of Jesus Christ. We put ourselves in the story as the one being restored and as the one through the strength of Christ will restore others. The mission statement at Westview says to be a community pursuing the restoration of all people and all things through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. May the Lord make this a reality May the Lord take whatever it is we're going through, the, the vulnerability, the disconnection, the hardships of the pandemic, and renew us as a church in a ministry of restoration as we see ourselves as people who had been restored and are now called through the strength of Christ to restore others. And finally, I finish here. It is really a story of hope. 
When I mentioned to you at the very beginning of this talk, this sermon, what the Lord had put on my heart was to speak of the temptations of Jesus in the desert. Just prior to this was the baptism and this incredible manifestation of the Trinity. Jesus goes then and is tempted by Satan in the desert. But what comes after? Immediately after, Jesus calls his disciples. Connection. Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, the most powerful sermon ever given in the history of humanity. And a sermon that is penetrated with the message of speaking to vulnerability and disconnection through the power of Christ. What this means, my friends, is that yes, we're going through a period of a pandemic, vulnerability, disconnection, face it, come to each other, talk to each other. For those of you who feel safe, it's going to be now a time to come back to church. We're going to stay safe. We're going to make sure that we have a safe environment. Come back together into community. Hold on to the threads that God has given you, how you've seen him in the past, even if you've moved away through slow erosion. Hold on to the threads of what are real. Come back, I pray, into community. And what the Lord has for us, I truly believe, is renewal. Is great renewal. If we can understand this, the Lord will open us up into great renewal. Just as some of the greatest moments of Scripture happened immediately after this wilderness experience, the Lord has something for us. As we advance in simple ways, we go together, we care for one another, and we're sensitive to this idea of vulnerability and disconnection. It is a lesson of hope to us that the Lord has great things and great renewal in store for us as we continue this wilderness experience. On Wednesday, we will be um, starting, starting a, a, a fast, the potential of fasting. I talked about this with Ryan, and I encourage us all to, to take part in this because it would be a way for us to fast, not just as individuals, but to fast collectively. And as church is opening up now and as we're going through the pandemic and we're seeing some of the things relaxing in terms of restrictions, that the Lord will just show us in this fasting where he would have us go as a church, what sort of renewal he would have us seeing undertake and how we would become a church with laser vision for vulnerability and disconnection. It is a hope. It is a hope, a hope for renewal. Romans 8, 24 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? We will hope for what the Lord has for us. And as I mentioned before, and I think at the last time I gave a sermon, I finished with this, and I believe it's, I just felt in my heart, it was again another verse to finish with in Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And God bless all of you. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to say a short prayer. Lord, link us together as a people. Inspire us, I pray, O Lord. And bring us, I pray, O Lord, somewhere new. Lord, your hand is on us. Your hand has been on us from the beginning. There have been ups. There have been downs. There have been very difficult experiences. But, Lord, you are guiding us through. And your intent is to renew your church. Lord, I pray that you would open us up to all that you have. Open us up as individuals. Open us up for what you have for us in our life. I pray for each and every one. Bind us together, Lord. Bring us together. And I pray, O oh God, that you would renew us. And we live, O oh Lord, in this hope that you will bring us somewhere new. And we thank you for it is your strength and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen.